I want to um, I share with you what I've titled the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not revelation of Jesus Christ or a revelation of Jesus Christ, but the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, please go with me to the book of Revelations chapter 1. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. Amen. The book of Revelation, chapter 1, and I want to read the whole chapter to you. Verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and sign it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pagamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to his to the feet, and guarded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like brass, like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance 
were like the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden love stands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament, into the epistles of Jesus Christ, uh, epistle of the, written by the apostles, we saw, uh, we can see and put together snippets of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He revealed himself as the son of man, as the son of God. We know him as the miracle worker. We know him as the one that walked on the sea. We know him as the one that cleansed the leper, that opened the blind eyes, that the one, the one that whom the lame, when they see him, they leap for joy and they walk. But also we know him as the baby Jesus that was born in the manger, the one that was visited by the magi, the one that the shepherds came to worship. We saw a glimpse of him in the temple at age 12. And so throughout the scriptures, we see glimpses of the Lord Jesus Christ. We even know that uh, some of his disciples, I mean, Peter tried to caution him not to go to the cross. John would put his head on his bosom. He was arrested. He was crucified. He died and he rose again. And so throughout, we see Jesus in scriptures. But the question I've been asking myself of recent is, do I really know Jesus? We were challenged a couple of weeks back by our senior minister, Pastor Colin, in our primary 12, and he's preached the message here about rediscovering Jesus. He also uh, challenged us to do what we call spiritual audit of our lives. And for quite some time, I've been doing both, trying to rediscover Jesus. And as I read the scriptures, I see the glimpses of Jesus. I see the one that was prophesied in the Old Testament that is coming. The Messiah that is coming. The one who by his stripes we are healed. The one who is going to deliver Israel. And it began to make sense to me the reason why when he came, the Jews did not really understand him. They, they, they didn't understand him. They, 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 they were looking for, for a giant of a man. They were looking for a, a warrior of a man. They were looking for somebody on a white horse with a sword. Somebody that was coming to drive the Romans out of their cities and establish a human kingdom. 
And so one day Jesus said to his disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they said to him, Some say that you are one of the prophets. Some say that you are Elijah. Some say this, some say that. And then he turned to them and he said, But who do you say that I am? And then Peter said, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, don't get cocky now. (laughs) Don't think you're clever. And don't think for yourself that you're super spiritual. What you've just said did not come from your intellect. What you've just said did not come from your mind. What you've just said did not come from what you know. Right at the moment you were saying it, my father in heaven put those words in your mouth. Because if Peter really understood what he said about you are the Messiah, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Then when Jesus began to say, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm going to be raised again on the third day. Peter wouldn't have said to Jesus, excuse me, Rabbi, can I see you? I need to have a word with you in the corner here. You shouldn't say you are going to the cross. You must not say you are going to the cross. And Jesus looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You have no idea what you're talking about. You can only think about the things of this world. You cannot yet see into the realm of the spirit. Now, Peter thought, I am the one that knows who you are. I have a revelation about you. You are Christ. I can also tell you what you can do and what you cannot do. And sometimes in our lives as Christians, because we are so familiar with the story of Jesus, we are so familiar with who we think he is and who we've come to believe that he is. In fact, some of us have gone so far away from him that we've created a Jesus after our own image and our own likeness. We don't really know who he is. And so as I got challenged, To go and rediscover who this Jesus is. This one that I worship. This one that I call my Lord. My Savior. My King. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Root of David. The Terror of Pharaoh at the Red Sea. I need to rediscover him again. And I came to Revelation. And I began to imagine. Use my imagination. And so John says, I was on the island of Patmos because of the testimony of Jesus. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I began to imagine John being in the spirit on the Lord's day and being translated into the spirit and appearing in a glorious place, in a a big, large place. And everything, the, the, the floor he was standing on was gold. Everything was shiny. Everything was beautiful. Everything was pure. And John was looking around and and thinking, what is this place? Where am I? Uh, What is happening? He's looking. And then suddenly, he hears a voice behind him like many waters. And then John says, I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And he looked at this being, at this personality before him. His head, white. His hair, white. 
His eyes blazing with fire. His mouth protruding out of it is a double-edged sword. He sees him clothed with white from from up here down to his feet. His feet were like burnished brass. And John looks and says, he looks like my rabbi. But he's not my rabbi. He's one, he looks like, like, like the son of man. But this is not the one I put my head on his bosom. And then he looks. And as he looks, he said, I fell down at his feet as if I was dead. In total worship. I've come before an awesome God. I've come before a holy one. I've come before my creator. I thought I knew him while I walked with him, while I talked with him, while I ate with him, while I run errands with him. I don't know you. Who are you? Because right now I'm dead before you. Your holiness, your righteousness, your purity, your power, everything has taken my strength out of me. I am at your mercy. And Jesus places his right hand upon him and says to him, don't be afraid. Let me introduce myself to you now, John. I am the one that is. I am the one that is. I have always been. That's what mean. That, that means. I am the one that has always been. And I am the one that appear on the earth and walk with you that was to you. Jesus was here. When Jesus was here, they said. When Jesus walked with us. Jesus said, I am the one that you know that you know was. But now I am the one that lives forevermore. Whoa. Is that the Jesus you came to today? Is that the picture of Jesus you had when you left your home today and you say you are going to Kensington Temple? Because if that's the picture of the Jesus you had in your heart when you came, then you won't say to yourself, that sister that offended me, I will never forgive her. Because you have absolutely no idea who commanded you to forgive. If I have the right picture of Jesus in my soul, in my spirit, in my heart, maybe as a preacher, I will not preach a gospel that is watered down. If I know the awesomeness of the one described here, his power, his glory, his might, maybe as a preacher, I will not preach a gospel of greed and call it prosperity. As a preacher, if I know this Jesus, just maybe, maybe I will not lord it over the people of God. What about you, child of God? If you know this Jesus, maybe you stop lying. Maybe you stop cheating. Maybe suddenly when you realize that this is the one you are going to stand before on judgment day and give account of your life, maybe you will get out of that stupid relationship you are in. (laughs) 
if you know this Jesus, the one that you and I are going to stand before one day, maybe you stop excusing, excusing those sins in your life. Maybe you stop hiding behind your personality. Well, I'm just like this because I'm sanguine or I'm choleric. Just maybe if you know this Jesus that John is describing here, maybe obedience will matter to you more than sacrifice. Just maybe if you understand the Lord of glory being described here, maybe being righteous will matter more to you than being right. Just maybe if you know this Jesus, if this one is revealed to you, just maybe, you will do more to make him known to a dying world. And as I challenge myself, as I have been challenged by my leader to rediscover Jesus again, I'm beginning to see and understand what the Bible means by when it says, when the Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm beginning to understand what the Bible means when it says, if God is for me, who can there be against me? I suddenly begin to understand when Jesus said, I shouldn't go looking there or there or there for the kingdom because his kingdom is at work in me. And suddenly I begin to realize what the Bible means, who the Bible is talking about when the Bible says that I am his ambassador here on earth. I represent his government and his kingdom here on earth. And as I challenge myself, I begin to ask myself, what's my excuse? What is my excuse? And I suddenly realize why. They gnashed their teeth at Stephen. When he was being stoned to death, the first matter of the, first of, of the church. When he looked up into heaven, as they were about to kill him. And instead of saying, instead of defending himself and covering his face and covering his head from the stones, he looked up and the heavens opened above him. And he, 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 he spoke out, he said, I see the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. He saw Jesus in all of his glory. And nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Not the stones. Not the gnashing of teeth. Not the pain. Not the sorrow. He was no longer thinking, my life is about to, cut, to be cut short. No, I've seen the Lord of glory. And then we begin to understand what the prophet saw when he said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among unclean people. I've seen the Lord of glory. And I'm as good as dead before him. Is that the picture of Jesus you have? Sometimes, because we as Christians, and if we've been Christians for a long time, we, we, we do sometimes stray away from the truth. We do sometimes stray away from from the power of the gospel, we almost become people who make the gospel of no effect. 
We're coming to that time of the year. For those of us who have children, we're in trouble because we have to have, find costumes depending on what kind of part your child is playing in the nativity play. And then every day you get, you get this question in the morning, are you coming to see me act like Mary? I'm baby Jesus, are you coming? My son said to me two years ago, I'm acting. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm the donkey. <laughs> and so I said, all right, man, I'll come and see you as the donkey man. And sometimes this is the picture of Jesus we carry. The baby Jesus. And some of us graduate, we, we carry the, 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 the scripture of him contending with, you know, about scriptures with the, with, the, with the rabbis in the temple. Some of us carry a picture of him just going about doing good. The miracle worker. And some of us, we carry a ridiculous picture of him as this so-called Father Christmas who has to do what we say. Who has to give us everything we ask for. He has no choice. And some preachers even go to the ridiculous extent of preaching and teaching and saying that we can control him and tell him what to do. And we forget that he's the one that created you and I. The color of your eyes, how many hairs are on your head, who your parents will be, the color of your skin, the country of your birth, who your parents, your father and your mother are going to be, the day you get born, the hour, the second you pop into this world, it was all his decision. He decided it all. Not only did he decide all those things and made it happen, he also gave you a uniqueness that is unique to you alone because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then when we look at the world that he created, science tells us that there are no two snowflakes that have the same DNA. No humans, you know, it's unique. This is the God that we serve. This is the Jesus that we need to know. This is the Jesus that we need to reference. I told a story earlier on about how people could be familiar with things and therefore disrespect whatever it is that we are familiar with. In, where, in, in, in my uh, country of birth and where I come from in that country, in the southwest of Nigeria, we... We have an institution that is called the, the kingship institution where you, the town, after a lot of demonic stuff have been done and they've consulted all their oracles, the kingmakers pick somebody to become a king. And when that person, when that man becomes a king, all, according to legend, all the demonic powers in that city or in that town Everybody will have to come and contribute one demonic power or the other 
to that king in order for him to be more powerful than anybody. So that whatever he says becomes law. He's the judge, the jury, and the executioner in the olden days. These kings, some of them, they acquire wives like you buy tomatoes in the market. And sometimes newlyweds, you know, parents will want their children, uh, uh, you know, when you've just newly married a, a beautiful wife, they want you not to go near the king's palace. Because some of them might just be walking on the roof of their palace like David and look at a Bathsheba taking a bath. And those kings, because of the power that's been vested in, in them, both physically and spiritually, they can see a woman, whether married, newly married, or not newly married, or old, whatever, and they can look at the woman and point at that woman and say, I place my feet on you. That means you become their property. That's why newlyweds are warned, don't go to them. Don't go near where they can see you because something might get into his head. When you walk into the presence of this king, you might be arrogant and say, well, I'm just going to say to him, hello, how are you doing? You all right, mate? <laughs> I'm telling you, that's not going to happen. There is a demonic presence around them that forces you and almost compels you to go flat on your face before them. Almost in worship. They call them, they are addressed as Kabiesi, Kabiosi, the one that is unquestionable. The one whose word is law. So there's this story about a king, an elderly king, just married a new wife, pretty wife. And when you are the new wife and you are brought into the palace, you are the only one that can serve the king, cook his food, uh, draw his water for his bath. So you just attend to him. And that makes all, all the other wives very jealous because now they know that they are old. And so this young woman who just came into the palace uh, came to attend to the king one morning, very early in the morning. And as he, she came into the, the king's bedchamber, uh, she saw the king sleeping on his bed. One leg was this way. One leg was that way. His head was like this. And to make matters worse, he was snoring real bad. And so this young wife, this young queen, stood there looking at the king and thinking, just the same way Eve must have stood looking at Adam. Is this the one that everybody reverence and bows before and, <laughs> and worship? And she stood there for some time just watching the king snore. Then after a while, she woke him up and said, Your majesty, it's time to wake up. And because his majesty was dreaming, he blotted out some silly stuff that he was dreaming about. And this young wife began to laugh. <laughs> when the man came out of his dreams, the king said, why are you laughing? He said, your majesty, you were saying some silly things in your sleep as I was waking you up. He said, ah, is that why you are laughing? He said, yeah. 
I was just looking at you, your majesty. And I was saying to myself, you are an ordinary human being like me. Why, why do people fear you? Is it not you snoring, sleeping like everybody else does? When you were sleeping, your head was this way. Your leg was that way. And she was describing what she saw. I said, she said, so what is it about you that makes people fear you? I want to know. Because I can't understand. This is you. In fact, when I got up from the bed, I, I, you know, uh, beside you, you didn't even know you were so fast asleep. I could have killed you if I wanted to. You were defenseless. And she went on and on and on and on. And then the king looked at her and said, you really want me to prove to you why people fear me? You need to be very careful what you wish for. Say, yes, your majesty. Ah, I've been looking at you for some time. You're just like any other, any, any other person. You know, you know, I know you are the king and you have authority to say things and, and all that. You know, but, but yes, I want to know why people fear you. Are you sure you want to know why people fear me? She said, yes. So the king summoned one of his attendants and whispered in his ears. And the attendant said, your majesty, run out. Now the king got dressed, walked into his lounge, the palace, where everybody comes to see him, sat on his throne, and everybody came in bowing down and worshiping and, and saying so many, eulogizing him and all that. And the servant came back. And so he summons the, the wife. He said, come, I've got a present for you. I want to prove to you why people fear me like they do. And the, the wife came and said, wow, I've got a present. And the attendant presented the calabash. It's a, it's a round object like a bowl that, that they use in ancient times with a lid on top of it. And this young wife took this gift from the king and opened it up. And lo and behold, in this bowl-like thing was the head of, his, of her father. And as she dropped this gift and began to scream and began to weep and began to wail and everybody saw the head of a human being in the calabash the king looked at her and said that's why people fear me that is why you don't get familiar with me that is why you don't despise my authority that is why you don't allow the affection I have for you to make you despise me. I just wonder. If Peter knew Jesus like Paul, like John knew him here. Would Peter have called Jesus aside and say, I need to tell you something, mate. That Jerusalem and that cross you're talking about, you ain't going there, mate. Because I was the one that had the revelation about you as the son of God. And God has not told me that you're going to the cross. <laughs> what if this is the picture, the revelation of Jesus Christ that we carry every day of our lives as Christians? Then maybe we will not be too quick to tell lies. Because my Bible tells me all liars will go into the lake of fire. Maybe I will not be comfortable in sin. Maybe I will not excuse my sins. Maybe I will not excuse my failure. 
Maybe, just maybe, I will not excuse my disobedience to the master. Oh, maybe Paul had this kind of revelation. Because I remember reading in my Bible that when he stood before Agrippa to make his defense, he spoke about the one that he met on his way to Damascus who was shining, was so radiant, more than the, the, the sun in the noonday. He remembered the one who blinded him. He remembered the one who knocked him off his high horse. And so he looks at Agrippa and he says, Oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this call. Just maybe if we know who this Jesus is. Maybe as a husband, you will love your wife like the Bible commands. Really love your wife as Christ loved the church. And as a wife, maybe you will just submit more and respect your husband more. Maybe we'll look after our children more. Maybe we'll bring them up in the way of the Lord so that when they grow up, they will not depart from it. Maybe before we encourage them to watch TV and, 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 and shoot Nintendo and play horrible games on, on, on the... On, maybe, maybe, just maybe, before we take them to watch the next Harry Potter film, we will tell them to read their Bible first. Maybe, just maybe, we as the children of God, maybe, just maybe, if we understand who Jesus is, maybe we'll pay more attention to the fruits of the Spirit rather than chasing around the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe the next time you read something in the scriptures, you know, pick and choose what you want. Just maybe if you have a picture here of what John had, the one who was so close to Jesus that he would put his head on his bosom, the one who was with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, the one who carried his authority into the cities. Of, of the Jews and casted out demons and, 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 and raised the dead and, and cleansed the leper and came back and said, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And yet he didn't really know the Lord of glory. What about you and I? Which Jesus do you know? The one you've created in your own image and after your own likeness? When you hear preachers say, we don't believe in hell and heaven anymore. Because everybody is going to go to heaven. You wonder which Jesus they know. Is it the same one that spoke about, about Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham? About how there's a, 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 a divide between heaven and you can't cross from heaven to hell. You can't, you know, is it the one that says there will be gnashing of teeth on the, on the judgment day? And most of you must have come across some people. Uh, when you talk to them about Jesus and, and you challenge them about the day of death and about how. It's either they go to heaven or they go to hell. Uh, uh, maybe like me, you've come across one of them saying to you, well, I'll have my day in court. Jesus will present this case, I'll present mine. And then we'll see. I'll argue my case. 
before this personality? That John fell down at his feet as dead? You're going to, you're going to prove something? Heaven, no! Because you're going to fall down dead before him. Now we have an opportunity as sons and daughters of the king to go in and out of his throne room because Hebrews tells us we can come boldly before his throne of grace to receive mercy. You know, when you, when you, when you enter into that palace, the first thing that has to meet you is his mercy. Otherwise, the one who is clothed in fire, my people call him Allah Bada, you know? He's robed in fire. The one who clothes himself with the sun. Allah will own. I looked at myself, unless, if not because of the blood of Jesus and his mercy, I will fry as soon as I enter the throne room. By the revelation that I have here. Oh, what am I saying to you this afternoon, Kensington Temple? It's time to see, understand, and know the revelation of Jesus Christ. Apocalyptus, Jesus Christus. The revelation, not just a revelation, but the revelation of who he is. And as you go on to chapter 4, the Bible tells us about the throne in heaven and there was this throne in heaven and, and John had no vocabulary to describe it. No vocabulary. And he began to describe the creatures around the throne and sometimes when I read it again, I read it again and say, John, what are you saying? How can this being have eyes all over them? In and out, he said. And they have wings. And one's face is the face of a man. One's face is the face of an ox. One face, one's face is, well, another one has the face of an eagle. And I'm saying, what are you saying? Because this does not make sense to me, John. But then I realized that my mind, my brain is too small to comprehend. John could see, but he couldn't comprehend. And his vocabulary was too small to describe what he saw. No wonder he was not disobedient to the call to put pen to paper, write to the, to the churches. Paul, John, John did not water down the letter to the churches. He says to one, you're a loveless church. And you need to be careful. You need to make some adjustments. He says to another church, you are a lukewarm church. He says to another church, you are dead. You think you are alive, but you are really, really dead. He says to another church, you are so poor, but you think you're rich. John didn't mean words. How would you like to get to your cell meeting tomorrow or during the week? And your cell leader says, I look at you and you are dead. Where's the life of God in you? The abundant life we are singing about, where is it in you? Because you have excuses for everything that you're not doing. You have excuses for every sin that you commit. You keep going in and out. You excuse your addiction. You excuse that ungodly relationship. You excuse your lies. You excuse everything. Is it not time for you to come to back to your first love? 
I can just imagine you looking at that cell and saying, I ain't coming back here. <laughs> just like when Jesus Christ said to them, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, well, this, these are hard saints who can bear them. And the Bible says a lot of people went away from him. And he turned to the twelve and said, are you ready to go away? I don't think, I don't think a watered-down gospel, I don't think not catching the revelation of this Jesus would, would get me, well done, faithful and obedient servant, come into the joy of your Lord. I'm beginning to understand why he says in the gospels on that day, some of you will come and you will say to me, but I preached in your name. I did miracles in your name. I did this in your name. And he will say to you, depart from me. You are a worker of iniquity. I don't know you. May that not be our portion on the last day. Then we wonder why the voice of Christianity is being driven out from the marketplace. Because we don't know who our king is anymore. We don't act like him. We don't talk like him. We don't do the things that he's asked us to do. And so we carry no authority. In fact, we think he should bow before us. But he's not bowing before you. And he's not going to Bible firmly before me. He's the one that the Bible says that at his name, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. And you know, we, we love the name of Jesus. I love the name of Jesus. I know you love the name of Jesus. And we sing there's power in the name of Jesus. But we've got to go beyond knowing the name and knowing the person that carries the name. We need to know the one who bears the name. So just maybe, maybe if you have a, a, a perception, a revelation, the revelation of who this Jesus is. And as you come forward at the end of this service to be prayed for, you know who is laying hands on you through that man and through that woman. Because if you carry this revelation, if you know who he is, then when you kneel down to pray, when you, when, you, when you go to him in the place of prayer, you know exactly who you are going to. And when you take your problems to him, your challenges to him, the circumstances and the situations around you, when you take them to him and you lay them down at his feet, and you watch him place his feet on that problem. You know you are delivered. Because now you don't have a picture of baby Jesus. <laughs> you don't even have a picture of the one that hung on the cross. You don't even have the one, the picture of the one that walked with the disciples on the way to emails. But now you have the right picture. Of the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. The one who is, who was, and who is to come. Then you know, the one you've come to appear before today. And if you catch this revelation of who he really is in your life. 
The one who said in Ephesians 1, I've blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the high places. Then as you go home today and you know the rent is due and there's nothing in the bank account, you can say to yourself, I know whom I've believed. And as you go to that office tomorrow and this week and, and there's that challenge that that, that that person didn't like you because you're a Christian. You're always carrying a Bible when you come in and you're always carrying a Bible when you go out. And you cannot but talk about Jesus. And everybody's looking at you and they're saying to you, you know, he's not, you are not coming here. We, we need to get rid of him. You know the one who walked into that office with you. Recently, a strange thing happened to me, and it wasn't until I thought about it that I, I, I realized that I was probably trying to explain it away. I walk, in a, I walk into a chicken and sheep shop. It's all right. Sometimes I eat vegetables too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but this particular evening, I was walking late in my office in Walthamstow, and I just, you know, I, I, you know, I went to buy chicken and chips. And I remember walking into that shop, and there was one man sitting in the corner, and he had this beard. He was dressed like, you know, who? And he was eating his chicken and chips. But as soon as I walked in, and I was singing when I walked in, can't remember what I was singing, but I was happy with myself. And I can tell you I wasn't singing Beyonce. Or Jay-Z's song. No, I was just humming under my breath. And he looked up. And he carried everything that was left in his, in his, in his pack of fish, of chicken and cheese. And stomped to the, to the dustbin around the corner. And, <laughs> and slammed it into the, into, the, into the bin. And looked at me fiercely. And stomped out. Well, I thought, okay, probably he lives around the area. He knows I pastored the church around the corner, and um, he doesn't really like Christians. So what is this infidel doing here while I'm eating? And I just dismissed it. I thought, he must have known me. He doesn't, you know, probably he doesn't really. But then I go back to my office, and after my, my thirst and my hunger was quenched, I thought about it again. Then suddenly, I, I thought to myself, Probably God opened his eyes and he saw these mighty angels that walked in with me. And it wasn't because he hated me, it was because he was terrified of the ones that walked in with me. And please don't forget, I'm still in this mode of rediscovering Jesus. The one who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm meditating on scripture about who he is and about how my attitude should be towards him and towards his kingdom. And I'm, and I'm happy with myself and I'm, and I'm humming under my breath and I'm, I'm happy with myself. Uh, 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 being right is no longer important to me. I want to be righteous. Being the first is no longer important to me. I want to serve. His holiness means more to me than anything else. His presence with me means more to me than all the money in the bank of the world. He's number one. 
in my life. Everything goes to number two, number three. They can, but Jesus, wait, is Jesus in his glory for me? And please understand, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm talking to you about what I am pursuing. I'm pursuing that. I'm not perfect. Yesterday, I still screamed at my son when he was, when he was playing up. Yeah, I did go back and apologize, but that's okay. <laughs> because I want to be right with him. And suddenly I began to realize that when the Bible says that the day of the Lord is coming. And it's going to be a dreadful day. I'm beginning to understand. Oh no. You're not going to have your day in court. <laughs> not in this court. Because when you come to this court, the court that this one who is seated on the throne, the one who was the only one that could take the scroll that was written both sides and sealed with seven seals that John said when there was nobody on earth or in heaven who could break the seals. And he said, I wept much. A few lines later, he said, I wept much. And then the angel said to me, don't weep anymore. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And he's able to open the scroll. He's the only one. And he is the one that when he stood up to take the scroll, the whole heaven bowed down before him in worship. Worthy. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. The whole of heaven, the creatures around the throne, the 24 elders on the throne, everyone casting their golden crowns down before him in worship. Then suddenly John realized, oh, that was what I was supposed to do. Oh, Jesus is our friend. He's our brother. He's everything to us. But please, let's not forget that he's Lord. And if we say that he's Lord, we mean that he owns us. Lock, stock, and barrel. The very breath that is in your nostrils belongs to him. Every cell in your body belongs to him. Every coding in your DNA belongs to him. Your eyes belong to him. Your mouth belongs to him. From the crown of your head to the soles of your, of your, of your feet, you belong to him. So please stop saying, it's my life, I can do with it what I want. No. That's a joke. And that's a dream we all need to wake up from. He's the one who determines your habitation, the, the extent you can go in life, where you start from, how far you go. That's who he is. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to come back to what is called the reverential fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to come to that place where our politics is surrendered to the will of God. Whether, political, polit whether politics out there in the democracies that we have, or the politics in your office, or the politics in the church, or the politics in the cell, or the politics in the family, we'd better bring everything back and submit it to the feet of Jesus. And you might say to me, well, is that not dangerous? No, it's not. 
You know where I come from? We have different names that we call God. One of them that I like is the one that says, when he decides to fight on your behalf, you become fearful yourself. When, it, when, when, when God, your God decides to fight on your behalf, when he decides to take your case up on your behalf, you are fearful for your enemies. My people say, oh, Beninija, Keru, Obonija. You are the one in the battle, but when he comes to your side, as the one who wants to fight your battles for you, you begin to plead on behalf of your enemies. As your father is enough. Lord, I'm sorry, leave them alone now when it comes to your side. That's why we must find it difficult. We must no longer find it difficult when he says to us, when somebody slaps you on the right, turn the left cheek. Because if they dare slap you on the left cheek and he decides to take your case up just because you obeyed him, you will be pleading for your enemies. When he says when, when they compel you to go one mile, go two miles with them, it's no longer a challenge for you and I because we know the one that he's talking When he says, we bring up our children in the way of the Lord, <laughs> we get right at it. Suddenly I realized why probably Abraham was able. When everything was hopeless. To, in hope, believed the one who promised Suddenly I began to understand what the Bible means by the one who caused those things that be not as though they were. The one who gives life to the dead. Because John fell down as dead and his right hand said no. I still have more things for you to do. I pray for you my brothers and my sisters today in this house that as you go out of here today into your week that you carry this Jesus in your heart. That you carry this Jesus in your spirit. That you are aware of the one that is with you. The one that is in you than the one that is upon you. That you are aware of the one who promised this Holy Spirit and sent him to you. To be your helper. That you are aware that everywhere the source of your feet that shall tread upon he has given to you. That you are aware of the one who will not allow that circumstance to be over you but under you. And that you will prioritize his kingdom as he's commanded us to do. That you're going to this week understanding, knowing Jesus, this Jesus that I preach to you. That understanding him, you go into your week and knowing I must be about my father's business. That as you go into your week, you will be like those disciples. When they forbid them, they were forbidden, they were beaten, they were caned, they were flogged. They were banned from preaching in the name of this Jesus. But they went to their own company and they said, Lord, don't protect us from these people who are beating us. But give us boldness. Give us boldness to say exactly what they're asking us not to say. 
exactly what they're asking us not to do. That's what we want to do. So we are asking you for one thing and one thing only, that you give us boldness to preach this gospel. And as we do, stretch forth your hand to heal the sick, to do miracle signs and wonders. That's the Jesus. I am believing and praying that you will go away with here today. And I say to you, people of God, as you go with this Jesus, who sent his angel to slap Peter on the side as he was chained down in prison, and the angel said, wake up Peter. And the Bible says the chains around him fell off. And the doors of the prison opened. And the gates into the city opened of their own accord. That is the Jesus that will cause gates to be opened for you this week. Because you carry the right Jesus in your spirit now. This Jesus is the one that is going to make sure that every hindrance before you, every obstacle before you becomes a stepping stone for you. Oh, they thought. They thought that John would be silenced on the Isle of Patmos. They made a mistake. This Jesus you carry is the one that is going to open your mouth and he will fill it. I pray that his glory will surround you. I pray that his awesomeness will go with you into this week. I pray it will go with you into your home, into your family, into the life of your children, to your business, to your career, that you become a terror to your enemies. That you will carry the revelation that will give you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the Holy One of Israel. I pray that faith will arise in you as you go to him in prayer because you know him. I pray that as you go, you will go to that level that we call Galatians 2.20 where you can go and say, I don't care anymore because I'm crucified with Jesus. But nevertheless, I live. But the life I live now, I live by faith of the Son of God. That will come to that place where we can say like Paul, everything I had, everything I knew, I count them as rubbish now for the excellence, the excellency of the knowledge of the one who loved me and died for me. I pray that will be your portion in the name of Jesus. Jesus.